Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. So we were just told that our boat is coming out in just three weeks. After first being told around December that it was delayed until March, which means we are in full panic mode to get everything done. In today's episode, I'll talk about our full court press to the finish line leading up to our X-Factory handover and all the flagging and registration choices we have to now decide on. Just a month and a half ago, we were told our boat was going to be late because they ran out of balsa wood. The dealer called us and asked if we were okay just doing a foam core instead of balsa and, you know, keeping our original factory date, which is just like everything else with boats. There are tons of opinions on which is better. After some research and debating, we decided to stick with the balsa and wait another six weeks for delivery. We had originally asked for an ex-factory date three months before we needed the boat anyway to allow for manufacturer's delays so that we could actually get the boat on time. We figured we'd rather just dock the boat and pay for the extra time than miss a whole season because the boat was late by two months. Our thought was every other boat has the balsa core, so anything else might open us up for other unknown issues that we just don't, by the time, have all the brain cells to care or worry about. Our whole number is 122, which means 121 boats before us have been scooting around the planet on balsa, so we figured it's best to go with the boat with spec for, you know, versus taking the risk of a new spec later. Sure, the bright side bed in me wanted to believe reports that foam was lighter and would make the boat go faster. But on the other hand, would it also make it less stable? So just stick to the specs, guys. So over the holidays, instead of getting our final boat things done, we focused on the Tahoe rental that I talked about in my last podcast. Meanwhile, I've been traveling for work over the past few weeks. And I got a text from my husband that our broker called and told him the boat was going to be ready right on time. What freaking boat dealer says that? The nerve, right on time. Who in the world gets their boat right on time? Guys, you're supposed to be late. As I'm recording this podcast, what this means in terms of timing is that all the registration, insurance, and final payments is due in just one week. Even though it doesn't come out for three, yes, because that's how it works. As I finished out my last week on the road for work, my husband, Mr. Slow and Thorough, decided to go all DEFCON 5 and start getting a bunch of stuff done. I've never seen that before. I'm still trying to fully comprehend this new person I now live with. So we are both now going bananas trying to finalize our decisions on flag, where to register the boat, and whether to do an LLC. All of these decisions are intricately connected, so let me walk you through our little adventure on this one. Let's start with flagging. Flagging the boat is pretty important. It basically dictates what laws the boat operates under. It determines taxes, liability, usage, and who can operate it. The flag state has a responsibility for the boat and determines the level of construction standards it requires and who will care about how it's used. We are U.S. citizens, but we have no intention of bringing the boat back to the U.S., so we have a lot more options. When we first went through this, we decided to just go with the U.S. flag boat and register the boat U.S. Coast Guard, which means it's under U.S. jurisdiction. But it's not attached to any given state where you would need to also pay state vessel registration and potentially use taxes. 
Many U.S. cruisers do this. However, in recent months, we've been growing more uncomfortable with the idea of flying a U.S. flag outside U.S. waters due to the political climate. We just don't want any reason to call attention to ourselves or invite any kind of bad feelings that we have nothing to do with. This opened back up our options for Red Ensign. The Red Ensign Group is one of the most respectable flag groups. It's made up of about 13 countries. These flags fall under the jurisdiction of the UK and the British Royal Navy. So there's a bit of prestige and cachet, but people tend to believe it also provides more security. However, the specifics of this remains elusive outside of just not bearing a flag from someplace people have bad feelings about. Many offshore cruising boats choose these flags just to stay neutral and also because the registration process can go quickly. We looked at the Cayman Islands, BVIs, and Jersey. No, not Jersey Shores, but Jersey, the island which is in the Channel Islands between the UK and France. Speaking of France, it took my husband, who was originally born in France, a while to get over the shock and horror of flying a UK flag. French people generally have a thing about not adopting British flags, or liking any British sports teams. Must be holdover from the revolution or something. Anyway, it took him a while. Here's the quick rundown on these flags, which you can hire an agent to help you do, or you can do yourself, although it's really an obstacle course to get through everything. Cayman Islands lets US LLCs register, but the costs are steep, roughly 7,000 to set it up and 2,000 a year, plus the cost of the US LLC, should you open one, steep. Jersey's more affordable, roughly 3,000 to set it up and 2,500 for registration that lasts 10 years, but they don't allow a US citizen or a US LLC to own the boat. An EU citizen can own the boat, which was an option for us since my husband has dual citizenship, but we were concerned about any issues that would arise with VAT, since you can't be an EU resident. Well, you can, but then it opens you up to paying VAT on the boat, which is like 20%. So we didn't even want to leave ourselves open to dealing with that ambiguity, even though he's not a resident of EU at all. The thought of having to hire an international maritime attorney to straighten things out if we ever got accused of anything by any overly ambitious maritime inspector just didn't sit well with me. The Jersey flag you can do through a BVI LLC, which through this plan would be about 2000 a year. So once we started looking at BVIs, we settled on the BVIs. It's less expensive than the Caymans. You do have to get a BVI LLC to put it under, but the process is pretty simple and our dealer knew an agent who could help us. No doubt the cheapest option is U.S. flag boat, U.S. Coast Guard registered, but for us, the peace of mind was worth it. The cost was roughly $6,000 to set it up and $600 a year for registration, plus $1,000 a year or so to maintain the BVI LLC. So there you go. Next, we have to apply for a BVI LLC, which means you have to do all these things to prove you are who you say you are, and you need reference letters to prove you aren't some mobster or drug dealer trying to launder money. The hardest part of all this was just getting all the original documents notarized and authenticated. We made the day of a mobile notary named Ben, who came over for like an hour and made a couple hundred bucks by signing our life away. I'll let you know how this whole process turns out. We need all these things in place to get a provisional registration for the boat in the BVIs, which lets us leave the dock in France. Why the LLC in the first place? The way I look at the LLC is I sort of think of it like an umbrella insurance policy of sorts. If, God forbid, something totally terrible happens, whatever legal fallout on liability is contained to the boat itself. It allows you to separate the boat from the rest of your personal assets. That's the idea. So if someone decides to sue you, the worst that can happen is you lose the boat and everything in it. Boat insurance. The words boat insurance 
was mounted on a sticky note for months in front of my husband's desk at home collecting dust. Then we kicked it into high gear. We went to two different brokers and also called one of the big yacht insurance directly to get the ball rolling. The initial estimates are hovering at about 7,000 a year, but the kicker on insurance is the deductible. 20,000 or 5,000, that's a big difference. This covers up to a million in coverage and 10 million in liability coverage. In addition to all the registration and flagging, we're working with our broker on the paperwork for temporary importation to prove that we're actually leaving. This gives us the ability to pick up the boat in Europe and do the shakedown season in the med without having to pay VAT. We aren't keeping the boat there and it's able to stay for up to 18 months, which is well beyond the time we'll be there. Even so, you need to have all this paperwork together as you engage with the authorities so you can prove that you are following all the legal procedures properly. All of this paperwork is interdependent, so you can't register unless you have the proof of insurance, which can't happen until you have the boat's bill of materials, which can't happen until you settle payment. Then the BVI LLC requires you to show two forms of identity. We had our passports, but one of them needs to also match our current address. Not the passport, but another form of identity, which means we had to get new driver's licenses because we sold our house and moved. And getting time between business trips to visit the DMV is, oh, one of life's big joys. Then I had to show linked documents because my birth certificate and my current name on my passport don't match, which includes adoption papers, long story, first marriage certificate, divorce settlement, a new marriage certificate, and so it goes. We booked my husband a flight to France and were able to get him a screaming deal on a month-long stay at an Airbnb. So he's set for this X-Factory handover and the initial round of commissioning with the local agent. I have to say, I'm having a lot of guilt and anxiety about not being able to join him, but work has me on this Mr. Toad's wild ride that I need to be 100% focused on. Meanwhile, we keep wondering about this whole balsa wood business. There had been strikes going on in France. I know, big surprise that would prohibit the factory getting the supplies. So we're still scratching our head about whether or not we actually have balsa on board or not. Why would it suddenly be in our boat after they spent a whole week negotiating with us to be okay with the delayed delivery date just to turn around a couple weeks later and say, just kidding. Like, how do we even check it? We would have to drill a hole in the boat. They did send us a picture of what appears to be a boat service of some kind with wood in the middle, like a cross section. On the photo separately, Someone wrote in hand, hole 122, and that's what we received. Not sure that makes us feel any better, but that was the factory's way of proving the boat we were getting is actually our boat. (sighs) I'm shaking my head. Okay, so what have I learned? Well, for one thing, I learned the delivery dates are never final, which was sort of the whole thing I was banking on when we added cushion to our dates in the first place. It could still be that my husband arrives in France and they tell him it's delayed another couple weeks. It has happened to someone we know. He was at the airport getting ready to fly over. This was after being told the boat would definitely be out in a week, only to be told at the airport the date slipped out a couple weeks. Like, how does that even happen? There are only 8 to 10 boats on the assembly line at any given time. It's not like it's some mass-produced process and it's easy to lose track of a boat. I just don't get it. The other thing I learned is to get as much stuff done early as you can because for some reason, everything turns into a last-minute emergency, even when you're planning on a last-minute emergency. What about you? What are you learning in your own journey? Join the conversation on Covert Castaway's Facebook page, and I promise to do a better job keeping you posted as we get down to the wire here on The Boat Handover. So don't forget to check back on Facebook or Instagram for further updates. 
Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Ha, 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 ha.